0: Life in me again. I've been sent back until my task is done. Gandalf. Gandalf. Yes. That was what they used to call me. Gandalf the
1: Grey. That
0: was my name.
1: Gandalf.
0: I am Gander of the White, and I come back to you now at the turn of the tide. Gosh, every time I see that scene, I—I I don't know. It, I mean, maybe it's the season. I don't know. What, what does that make you think of?
1: Well, you know, same way. There's so much emotion to that scene of his return. Just the idea that we knew he was dead. You know, spoiler for those who have not read the books or watched the movie. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and he right. comes That's back. Right. It's been long enough. But the idea is, especially as Christians, it reminds me of Easter. Which, when we're recording mm-hmm. this, Easter is this coming weekend. And the whole resurrection, you know, mythos. Whether you believe right. the faith-wise of Christ resurrecting. And just stories like Gandalf's story, um, others we might talk about. But just, yeah, I just, I see that. And you think about the idea that, you know, he was Gandalf the gray. He's now back as Gandalf the white. He's been through a trial. It just makes me think of the whole um, Holy Week. And the,
0: the, the point in the story too, you know, you have, you have Aragorn, Gimli and, and Legolas searching for what they think may, you know, they're, they're holding on to hope that Mary and Pippin are still alive. And they're searching through that dark forest, and and things feel really dark, but yeah. And then here comes
1: Gandalf the white. I mean, kind of reminds you of the post-resurrection as they're walking to the next town.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that
1: too. That's exactly right.
0: Well, hey, okay. Well, let's let's first things first. Welcome to Game Store Profits. It is episode two hundred one, and this is the show. Where we talk about God, gaming, and groups, uh, my name is Jeff Romo. I am one of your hosts, and I am seated across from the erstwhile t r Knight. how you doing, buddy?
1: I am doing well and ready to celebrate easter amen amen
0: we're uh, We're down a couple of hosts uh, our buddy daniel is uh he's got family uh, around the house and and doing his uh doing his uh, parental daddy and husbandly duties. And uh, and we know Mike is uh, is continuing to uh, do his jobs as well. So we are holding down the fort on this uh, this Holy Week uh, for for Christianity as we we drift through uh, Palm Sunday and then we start resolving through the week towards Good Friday and then into Resurrection Sunday. So a uh, it's an important time for for Christians. It's an important time for the faith, and it uh, gives us some time to sit back and reflect on the the core principles the the core importance and the the very heart of what it means for us to uh to be christians so let's uh let's talk a little bit about that we'll get we'll get to resurrection in a little bit but uh i i think we may want to take some time out and go through some tried and true segments and we can start off first archive, archive. died
1: well, isn't the Archive Dive resurrecting old games? Oh, that was bad.
0: Oh, <laughs> solid. Solid. Now, count it. That's a that's a three-pointer from the side. That's pretty good.
1: Well, and thing is, I'm going to bend the rules of the Archive Dive. Please, Mike, don't get mad at me. I know I'm the substitute oh, Mike. Oh, my so, gosh. So what I'm doing is it is a board game, technically a new game that is a re-envisioning of an old game. So let, let me tell you where I'm going with this. I have recently been playing... <laughs> betrayal legacy with my gaming group and betrayal legacy is based on betrayal at house on the hill then it had a sequel called betrayal at Baldur's gate and what the legacy game is is just that it's one of these legacy games where you're playing betrayal at house on the hill but instead of just playing you know one of the scenarios you're playing a long history of it and you're starting in an old time in the house when it's tiny and you're playing multiple generations that keep coming back to the same haunted house and we're on our like f- it. fourth session now. It, it's spooky. It's creepy. At times it feels like it's a Scooby-Doo adventure. And then it feels like you're watching Amityville Horror. So,
0: <laughs> oh, no. Do you guys like set a mood around the table or like have candles and stuff? We haven't
1: yet because it sets its own mood quickly. And
0: sometimes it's funny because
1: we're, we're kind of a sarcastic group anyway. But the sure. idea is it has taken a classic game. I mean, Betrayal at House on the Hill came out in 2004. Still a great game. Um, they fixed the rules a little bit when they did Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Like, they fixed the haunt and some other stuff in the game. But the idea is now, instead of just playing the game like you've always done, dealing with searching around the house until the haunt happens, which is one of the rules in it, that's where the bad thing happens. Because you realize the game is a cooperative game. You start out all exploring this odd house together, and then suddenly the haunt happens, and one person is no longer your teammate. (laughs) <laughs> so it becomes one against many at that point. Right. And to do take that older game and bring it into this legacy concept, it still has the feel of the old game, but now you keep knowing that whatever happens in one carries over to the next story and carries over to the next story. So the the haunt and the scariness just keeps building as we play more and more of the scenarios.
0: So so with with respect to that, you mentioned how each season is basically a generational transition. You're going into the next generation. So does that mean the haunt changes or Yeah,
1: it's about thirty some years or more between them. So like you start in the seventeen mm. right? I think it's seventeen hundreds, maybe it's sixteen hundreds. But you play it, and so let's say you're the only one that survives. Okay. You then have the option of playing the same character in the next scenario because they'll have only aged thirty some years. Uh, Where everybody else has to start a new character, but you're all part of the same family. Like when you set the game up, I'm not going to give spoilers because it's a legacy, but you're each going to create a family and you're playing multiple generations of that family. And there are family heirlooms and there are family legends. Oh yeah. so That's great. Classic game, reimagined in a legacy, but feels like the classic and I love it.
0: See, see, I think that works perfectly well for Archive Dive because we're dealing with the idea of of uh, familial lineages. Yep, you know, the son of God and descendant of David, and now we have some descendants from a proper game, a great game, coming to the Legacy format. I, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm sold.
1: I mean, I've played quite a few of the Legacy games now. Pandemic Legacy Season One and Two are great, and I love them. But I have to admit, this is Growing on me and may become one of my favorites because I don't like horror movies. I'll just tell you that right now. I'm not a slasher fic fan, even though I watched some of them mm-hmm. when I was younger, but I right. love a good Alfred Hitchcock. I love oh, yeah. a good spooky movie. You know, old yeah. monster movies, Alfred Hitchcock, some of the old Twilight Zone. So right. far, that's what this feels like. And one of the things I read online as a review is each one of the eras that you play in is a horror suspense based on that time period oh okay which means i'm assuming as we get further along we're gonna bump into gothic horror we're gonna bump into other things and maybe an 80s slasher mm. fic at some point
0: <laughs> you guys somehow the house or this, this haunted location is on a lake somewhere <laughs> yeah
1: you know it's gonna happen but i yeah. just i do if you like legacy and you like cooperative games and you like trader games this all comes together in betrayal legacy
0: nice nice that is really cool and and actually i love what you were talking about those types of films and books and, and stuff that the the less is more the narrative driven the the music driven that that kind of ambiance horror that goes on i i i'm hearing you talk about the story and i'm thinking about the others uh, that movie with Nicole Kidman, yep. and I'm not going to spoil anything because if you haven't seen the others and you're into getting scared and you don't want and you want to do it without seeing a lot of blood and everything, the others is, in my opinion, it is primo stuff. Great storytelling, great pacing, Ugh, so good. So that that the story sounds a lot like that, or or it makes, gives me that kind of feel. Nice, dude, that's really good. i I'm, I'm counting it. That's good. Well, we've looked over our shoulder. And, uh, and and we've dove into the uh, the the deeper reaches of the archive dive, uh, but now it is time to look forward on the horizon.
1: Uh,
0: as we sit here, we'll have we have nine days now. I think nine days before Avengers Endgame uh, is explodes onto the scene. I. Didn't intentionally set out to do this, but I wound up getting a ping on my phone when I was at work. And normally I don't look down at my phone too much because hashtag Megacorp gets, keeps me real, real busy. But I looked down and there was a ping and somebody said, hey, tickets just went on sale. And I was like, huh. So I, I popped onto the website of my favorite uh, theater, the one that my wife and I go to all the time. And I said, well, oh, let's try it out. I'm, I'm not going to do Friday or Saturday. I tried Sunday. And lo and behold, there were seats. And so I purchased them, and for probably the first time since I think the first Avengers came out, I'm going to an opening weekend of a film, and I, I I'm I can't I gotta say I am super excited about it. I've you know it's it's obviously it's 11 years build up to this, and Marvel does it right. We've talked about it ad nauseum before, but I think the 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 big thing for me about this is that. I'm trying to like have a spoiler moratorium, you know, I, we all, we know there's a lot of us who go into these films and we know the story, right? We have the, uh, we have the comic book lore. We have the mythos that's there. We have all of the legends, but, um, I'm really trying to be careful about making sure there's no spoilers. If, if there's a, a a Marvel HQ, or I forgot the YouTube channel, whenever they release a, a trailer, I don't mind watching that because, I know the Russo brothers and they said they're not going to release anything. I think we were talking about this before. They aren't going to release anything that's past the first 20 minutes of the film. So I know that they're not going to intentionally spoil. And in fact, we'll talk about this later. They, they intentionally misdirect sometimes. But um, yeah, that's my, that's my big thing.
1: They even put a letter out. I don't know if you saw it. The Russo brothers have actually written a letter that they posted yes. asking everybody not to spoil this movie for anybody. An official letter to the fans.
0: I want to say, like, Last Jedi and probably the previous Avengers with Infinity War. I, I think they've been—folks have been pretty good about not spoiling. And, and of course, you know, we have the side where I, I kind of have, like, probably the next nine to ten days. I think the next nine days I'm going to—well, no, it'll have to be ten because we're on Sunday— I'm going to stay steer steer pretty clear of of tw- the Twitterverse and and Facebook that sort of thing. I don't want to abs- accidentally see something at all, uh, especially once Friday comes along. But um yeah, that's that's my thing. Me and Angela, my wife, we're we're super excited about it. And uh yeah, that's that's my on the horizon.
1: I don't have tickets yet. I'm trying to figure out there's a family event going on that I have to chauffeur to. And I might try to sneak in and see the movie myself. My wife's going to be away at a family event. So I'm trying to figure out Mm -hmm. if I can drop her off and make a showing somewhere within driving distance.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, Well, you have to preview it for the family to make sure it's family safe and (laughs) and that it's it's okay. Right. And then it's green light. Okay, kids. Mrs. Knight, let's go ahead and do this. Let's get together.
1: So we'll see. We're gonna see if I can squeeze it in. Well, for me on the horizon, there is a board game that I just learned about. That so we we talked in a previous episode how Gen Con announcements haven't quite started yet. You know we're getting into convention right. season. This is right. an actual Gen Con announcement. It was announced over at a German um, gaming event, an industry event, so not an actual open convention, and it's called Era Medieval Age. It's by Matt Leacock. So anybody out there who's played roll through the ages and liked that game and how it had its pegs and the dice and everything. Apparently Matt Leacock was hired to make an updated version of roll through the ages. And so he went through the process and he designed it and was building it all up and they were all done. And they looked at it and they went, it's a wonderful game. There are so many games on the market right now. How is this going to stand out? And they said, But doesn't it just make you visualize a city being built? I mean, Roll Through the Ages is all about, it's Bronze Age, actually, not Middle Ages. But the idea is it's building a civilization. It's a civ builder that plays pretty quickly. So they said, what if we made it three-dimensional? So Era Medieval Age is a Roll Through the Ages, but you have these boards where you're actually putting city tiles that are like 3D sculpts of cities. So there's the port, there's the cathedral, there's the hospital, the city building. So if you've played the game Cathedral, if you've played uh, Medina or any of these games where you build a city, those are a little more abstract. This is full on pieces of the city. They've started putting out pictures of it. There's videos. It is gorgeous. I'm sure it's going to be expensive, (laughs) but it's coming out at Gen Con. So if you like miniatures, If you like really beautiful pieces, if you like Azul that has the nice big chunky pieces, this is by Egert Spiel, who also did Azul. And this is going to have big, like inch and a half, two inch chunk city pieces that mount on your board. Very detailed, but supposedly can be played in like 30 to 45 minutes.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: And then they're going to be coming out already. Matt Leacock's already designed Era Bronze Age. It's already working on a third one. They've already they're planning to put expansion room in the box. This is one of these to me is a table presence game. It's beautiful mm-hmm. to play. It's going to attract people. It makes it fun to play because you get all these big pieces. So I'm really intrigued by this. Now, we're going to have to wait to see what the cost is. You have to wait and see what the gameplay is like. Although Roll Through the Ages is a great game, and it supposedly plays like it. It still has the dice. It still has it. But yeah. now instead of pegs, it's big city pieces. It's freaking big city pieces, man. Okay, I and I,
0: I used this word before off air. I'll use it again now. Those pieces are gorgeous, but they are freaking adorable. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I mean, and and it's it's just one of those things where you're just like, okay, you know, I could probably like, you know, we could give them Daniel Fisher and he could paint them and then we could we could do some stuff with this but then you're like no i just want to play the game this this looks so incredible so i am I, i'm excited for it it's one of those things where there's a um, i mentioned this many many episodes ago there's a place called the Dream, green dragon inn that's uh, nearby my home and uh, it's it's got a bunch of um, 18th century like historical properties that are there and, and, and uh, the coffee shop, small little restaurant. But upstairs, there's a really posh game room. And a lot of times, they have these fa- fancy long-term games that are there. But I have a feeling they would probably be really on point about picking this one up. So I may have a chance to sit down and uh, play this, especially when I think you meant – did you mention it was around 30 to 45 minutes play? That's what they say. That's pretty interesting it, it, when when you guys to follow the link we'll have it in the show notes. take a look at the pictures you'll see how gorgeous these things are. but the idea of the the concept of this game being thirty to forty five minutes seems is there any hint that this is compounded like you you can you can continue the game longer it doesn't necessarily have to be that length of time or is there not a hint towards that
1: I don't know it's based on roll through the ages it wouldn't be but When I watched the video, there's a video at that link too that when they announced it in Germany, they talked about the box. will go ahead and have three sections supposedly in the box for expansion one, two, and three. There it is. I don't know what those expansions are going to add. And then the second game and the third game, Era Bronze Age, and they've not announced the third, are standalone games, but in the same mechanics. But like Bronze Age has less buildings, but it has Wonders. And other stuff is what Ooh. they said. And they've not hinted what the third age is yet. So I'll be very curious to know where they're going with it. But if you like sieve builders, this is a simple mechanical sieve builder. But it's going to be the most gorgeous one on the table I've seen in a long time. Yes, agreed.
0: Wholeheartedly agreed.
1: I was just in awe when I saw the pictures. Yeah. And those were just 3D uh, yeah. printed prototypes. They're saying these are going to be molded. They're actually going to be miniatures done as oh. buildings. So it's not going. They're not going to continue the printed process. They're going to go with molding. They're molding them. These are all injection molded pieces for the cities. So now we're starting to get the hints to what's coming at GenCon. So that's the first one nice. I've seen.
0: Well, you know what? I think maybe we should uh, we should try and mine that for some future gold as we start looking on the horizon. Maybe we'll find some other stuff that'll be uh, juicy little nuggets to, dis- to display. All right. Well. That wonderful segment, uh, behind us? Do I say behind us? It's on the horizon. It's in front of us. So I guess we have to turn to the right and then <laughs> stay in the present. We could do that, I guess. Step sideways. Step sideways. And now I'm in the upside down. Oh, dang it. Not again. So this week, we, we opened up with this, this discussion about the, uh, the idea of, uh, of Easter week of Holy Week for Christians and how this is the time where we 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 contemplate the the culmination of Jesus's ministry of uh, of him traveling uh, through Israel he's he's dispensed wisdom he has lived a life that uh, that we could all pray to try and follow but uh, in faith is is the only way that we can and the the culmination of his, his death on the cross, but the, uh, the focus is that his resurrection three days later where he, he, uh, he, he rose again and uh, he presented himself to many witnesses and became the foundation of a faith where we have been redeemed. The, the importance on this is the idea of, of that redemption. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of work our way through this, and, and I, we have a few examples of, uh, of how Resurrection has gotten the treatment in the game and entertainment sphere, and then how, how Resurrection is, is something that represents a changed life, um, ultimately. So I, I, you had a couple of really good examples, Tr, and i i was I was tickled absolutely pink when you when you mentioned them. So I will turn this over to you for the first couple. Let's uh, let's launch into those.
1: Okay, so there's the serious side of resurrection, which we're going to talk about. But gaming has its own tilt to it. Let's say it that way; it's tilted a little bit. So we're going to start with the funny one. So I am a child of the 70s and 80s. That's when I was born and ran around. Yay. So for me, my first gaming resu- you know kind of memory recollection of resurrection is arcades. In arcades, the way you resurrected is you put another quarter in. <laughs> you would play the game and someone <laughs> would pop up, game over. Or do you want to continue your game? And Or you need an extra life? It always was more quarters. And so it seems funny, but it was the way arcade games worked. The idea to rebirth yourself in the game, continue your game, add another life, bring your character back when you died. If you were playing like Gauntlet and your wizard died and you wanted to come back in, it was another quarter. The payment was a quarter. Now later, computer games had that. You could just restart so when you played your Atari game, your Odyssey game, early Nintendo and stuff, early games still just had it where you had to restart or they'd let you continue from where you ended.
0: Right. You have like the the three life or you get bonus lives as you culminate, uh, accumulate score, that sort of yeah. thing.
1: It wasn't until later that games started doing save games. So early on, it was just a, you can either start completely from the beginning or you can continue from where you stopped. There wasn't the idea of backing up and doing it again. Yeah. (laughs)
0: There wasn't the idea of pulling into your place of work and right before you go in, you pray for a little bit. And then you say, okay, I'm going to hit a save point here. And now I'm going to proceed with my day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a concept.
1: Or there wasn't the, I did something really stupid. I'm going to start over. I'm gonna restart. Yeah, that Please. idea of resurrection doesn't exist, but in games yes. it does. And so for me, that was the funny thing as we were talking before the show that the arcade mode was put another quarter in. Now, now it means put like yeah. another dollar in or more. But <laughs> you know, back then it was you'd pop a quarter in and you kept playing. And that's that's a a weird way to think about it and how it affected how we viewed games and in many ways affected how we thought about you know. Our lives in a game. Because you realize that to gain more lives in a game just costs more money. That mm-hmm. was weird. And then when computer games came out, it became less and less important. Like arcade games, we played to get better. Because we didn't have that many quarters. That's <laughs> Now right. you get so That's used right. to playing computer games that have a save game that you don't fear it. Which is interesting. Yeah. If you've noticed, there are some modern games now that have taken out the save game. Or they've made it you only can save when you make it to a certain threshold or milestone. Right. And so you right. make a mistake before that milestone, you're starting completely over. But it is interesting that we've changed that mindset of how it works in the digital game era. Now, right. board games and role-playing games have a very different view of it. Yes, absolutely.
0: They have the, uh, they have the classic tropes. Which I think you know, being D and D Grognards as as such as we, uh, and, and potentially some of our fans out there, the uh, the idea of the resurrection spell or the reincarnate spell is uh, looms large in D and D Five E and has been a part and parcel of the of that particular game system for a long time. Uh, it's in Pathfinder. It's in other uh, fantasy and sometimes uh, other
1: well, oh, in other editions. It's been all the way back from the early. It's editions. It's been in all the editions, right? Yeah, exactly
0: when when you approach a game like you know like D D, let's take for example the resurrection spell it's not like it's an easy thing to attain no. it's expensive in game right so it's not like it's something that's easy to get but at the very least you have that capability to say okay i can i, I at least can fall back on that i can get that if i need to if i want to maintain my character but
1: i mean the uh the
0: cost, I think, what was it like? a?
1: It had some, yeah, it had. I can't remember what kind of gem it needed. Different versions have changed it, but what was always funny, yeah. I don't know about you, but it was inevitable. The person who died was always the cleric. Right. <laughs> the person who had the resurrection spell was usually the one who died. So then you'd have to drag their body back to town to find somebody to resurrect them. <laughs> that was just, Murphy's Law was the one person who could actually resurrect everybody else in the party was the one who got taken out. Yeah. But you're yeah, right, I mean, exactly. and then... But it was this. It changed. Like when you were low level in D and D, especially old school D and D, you really did fear dying, because mm-hmm. you knew if you went down, you were done. You were you were writing up another character, especially if you played some of the adventures out there. <laughs> there were some quite the meat grinder adventures. But the idea yes. was, low level, you feared it because when you were done, you were done. Mid level, you knew well we could probably pay a lot to do it. When you got into the higher levels, if you got lucky enough to play that long, it's interesting because you started having less fear for death. Because you knew, well, the cleric in the party can just resurrect me. Mm-hmm. And so Or you had a resurrection mm-hmm. scroll or something. So it's interesting, kind of like the video game we talked about. When you have this knowledge that resurrection is possible, you don't have as much fear for death. And that's going to come back to us in a little while. We're going to come back yeah. to that. But that's the idea that these games have this. When later on I know I can put another quarter in, I know I can load a save game, I know I can always use the resurrection spell, death is not as scary as it was before that.
0: Right. Yeah. And and you move forward in the adventure paths and we... we I, you know, writers for, for WOTC, they brought in the uh, the Tomb of Annihilation uh, adventure path, well, I, I keep calling it adventure path, but basically adventure or campaign. And you know just in case if there's any listeners out there who are running the game right now or are playing in the game, I'll give you a, a five second countdown for spoiler time. and then you can fast forward maybe a couple of minutes and we'll uh, we'll get past the discussion on this. But uh, so five, four, three, two, one. So with we that fear of death is reintroduced because there is the uh, the big bad in the adventure is basically causing distortions of the resurrection spell. So when people fall and then they're resurrected magi- magically, it unfortunately doesn't take. And eventually their soul is swept away, their body decomposes, and Aserarach, who's the big bad, is just num-num-num-num-num delicious. And... It reintroduces that fear of death for a time as the adventurers try to go back and reclaim the, uh, 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 <laughs> or try to get rid of that fear of death again, because they want that to be reclaimed. You know, they're working for uh, a particular entity that wants to uh, uh, stave off the uh, this, this new uh, hellish death that awaits them. But it, it's centered on that idea of fear, right? Okay, so we're back. We're back on spoiler tor- non-spoilery territory. We can move forward now.
1: Yep. Well, and you look at other games too, like MMOs. Uh, your Massey Multiplayer Online would have the thing is, if you would die, you'd reincarnate, but you'd have none of your stuff. And you'd have to go Ooh, back to get yeah. it. You know, and you'd have to figure out how to get all the way there. And if you're in PvP, they could take your stuff. But the idea there, you didn't fear death from a losing your character mode. You feared it because you'd lose the stuff you had earned. So that became more of a selfish reason for fearing death more than a personal reason. And so games have always had this different model of what do they look at as character death. Even when you read, like, when we watch TV shows and movies and read books, it's always interesting to see, do you get emotional about the death of a character or not? So Game of Thrones is starting again. Um, The next season, I've never watched them, but I've read some of the books. And one of the ongoing jokes in Game of Thrones is don't get attached to anybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because they will have some horrible end, you know, at some point. And yet you'll have other books where no one ever dies. And so you're like, do I, is there as much risk? So as part of this is risk and risk assessment how dangerous mm-hmm. and difficult does this game or this story or this movie feel? How much does life feel? You know? So we talk about, if you go the other direction, Marvel's a little different now, but if you look at the old comics, in the early comics, no one ever died. You'd knock yeah. people unconscious. <laughs> They'd send him to jail. The <laughs> yep. superhero, even if the superhero died, he would always get resurrected two or three comics or, later. or
0: or there's a parallel universe where yeah. oh that's the one that went you know that, that
1: I mean even the big one you know death of superman the comic book
0: spoiler oh gosh, alert been huge. around a long
1: time ago it was a big deal but they brought him back right um and so the idea is there's been rare a permanent death in the comics there's been some but yeah. it's rare And game's reflective. You play Sentinels of the Multiverse. You don't die if you get defeated. You just got knocked down, and you give team abilities still. So you're not even out of the game. You still have this ability when you flip your card over. You play most superhero games of any type, and they even talk about, well, your character doesn't do lethal damage. They do stamina damage, or they do non-lethal damage. It's just interesting That the purpose is to subdue in superheroes, not death. Now, modern comics, very different. You know, your modern comics, your modern superhero movies, there's a lot more death involved. But that's the, that feel of superheroes was always the, oh, we're fighting crime and we're defeating, defeating, subduing. So there's that again, you don't have that risk as much. Well, if I get defeated by the villain... I'm just going to wake up in his prison and he's going to give me this long villain soliloquy <laughs> and give me time <laughs> to get right. out. Watch every right. old Batman episode.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's it. And, and, and it's the, it's the risk versus, man, I don't even to say risk versus reward. It's, it's like a risk versus end, you know, a risk versus death. Yeah. Is there, what are the stakes yeah. that, that are involved with any given, if it's a game or a book or a movie or or whatever, so what it with our media as such as it is now between games, movies, comic books, that sort of thing, there is the there is the treatment of death, right? There's that treatment of risk. If you are looking to maintain the lighthearted, then death is a, a figment in the distance. It's not something that you introduce very much, if at all in the story and when you do it's talked about in in kind of veiled veiled discussion threads when you are introducing the grit right you want to get into your gritty storytelling that sort of thing death becomes more prevalent and then you swing the complete other way we were talking about slasher fix before yeah um or slasher picks and and the uh the concept of you know like your john wick films right mm-hmm. where Suddenly now, there is the risk for the hero, but he has this superhuman ability to dole out death. Death has now become a weapon that is, it, it's weaponized against other people. And now it becomes almost a trivial thing. And again, it's that, that, that direction of media creators, our minds, our imaginations to try and diminish the fear of death. Because now it's becoming trivialized. It only happens to other people. It happens to these henchmen over here because you know John Wick plugged them over there. You know that sort of thing. But you know it. I don't. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of some other um, you know like quotes and, and discussions about resurrection that um, of and, and why it instills this importance. The it's the it's the concept of conquering death and the the idea behind our faith the 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 strength behind our faith is the idea that we are looking death straight in the eye and we are saying that jesus the son of god conquered death and removed fear of death because now we have no fear of the beyond of what happens beyond that veil and when we see things like you know we, we we I think we have some really wonderful quotes here from Tolkien we we have the example of you know C.S. Lewis and and uh the writings of of Martin Luther the reason I think those are important and why it illustrates this so much is that when you don't fear death and you have a peace about what comes next it it frees you to live um a different life a changed life you know, you're it's it's not a free license to to like I think we say with some of our player characters and RPGs to drive it like it's rented <laughs> uh, or drive it like it's stolen. It's not what we're meaning, but it means that if you're not afraid of that end, you are free to live now and to live for something beyond yourself, because if you're not trying to seek to preserve yourself. You're not seeking to protect yourself in such a way that you're paranoid about death, or you have to diminish it, or you have to not talk about it. You're free to care about the people around you, especially the people around the table. And I know it's a very long-winded way to come back to our relationships, but that's where we get to when it comes to Easter. That's where we get this whole concept of, of our changed selves and the way it changes our relationship with others.
1: Going to some of our literature we love the most. So, you want to look at a great example of that is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes. Love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So, this is a book that's been around for a long time. There's a movie out. There's an old cartoon out. There's a BBC show. So, spoiler alert I'm going to say something about a book that has been around forever if you've not read it. So, five, four, three, two, one, go. Yeah. In this, at one point, so again, five, four, three, two, one. You know I'm going to do this. We'll come back after. Aslan, the lion, is killed by the witch. She, he is sacrificed. It happens on the stone table. But in the story, in the movies and all of them, he comes back. He is resurrected. And this quote is from the book, and it's one of the great quotes in the book. It means that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time, but if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. And that goes right to what you said. When you don't fear it, you're willing to sacrifice yourself. And that's a big chunk of this story. Aslan sacrifices himself for another's life. He gives of himself. And the same thing occurs if you go into other literature. So we see this in Narnia. We also see this happening in Middle Earth. I'm a huge fan of Tolkien's Middle Earth. So you got Lewis talking about it in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You've got Tolkien talking about it in Lord of the Rings. And we kind of have a hint of that at the beginning of this episode when we talked about Gandalf the Grey. Again, spoiler alert, (laughs) book that's been around forever, (laughs) movies, audiobooks, anime, all these again. We're talking about this. So be ready. Five, four, three, two, one. Gandalf, while fighting the Balrog in a huge fight scene, gives of himself and basically yells at them to flee. And he takes the Balrog on and appears to die in battle. And that's why Gimli and Legolas and Aragorn are surprised when he shows up later as now Gandalf the White. And that's where I, it's always fascinating how much that story parallels Jesus appearing after his resurrection on the road. And talks about it, you know, with what's going on. And so even our literature, our you know, some fantasy literature we love uses the resurrection story as a major element. I mean, you are so shocked the first time you read these books or see these movies when those two characters die. You just yeah. you can't believe it happened because of who they are, but that makes their resurrection, their return that much more powerful.
0: Right. Right. And it's the it's the it's the breaking of what you originally thought that death is the end to finding out that that's not true that death is it's a doorway to something new and in, in the way i say that I, I i mean it in such a way that you know when these stories we see you know gandalf the gray becoming gandalf the white we see aslan returning we see in in the ho- in the hope of the resurrection with Christ we see that our lives are renewed we we are given back our our uh, sin-free bodies where we don't have to worry about the uh the entropy of life and we are given our immortal time to where we we will know nothing but peace and to have that waiting for us on the other side of death gives us the ability to have what I think it's something that my pastor had said a long time ago is that once you've accepted Christ and you, you no longer fear death because of his, the faith you have in his resurrection, you are, you are free to live the super substantial and abundant life now. It starts that second when your heart is, is in that place, space and it moves towards Christ and it's given to Christ. You are free to live that beautiful life right then and there and it extends outward from you as your as your faith grows your, it extends out from you in, in the way that you love other people and the way that you approach
1: life differently. I think Tolkien we were just talking about Tolkien in his letters he has this great quote. It says the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus means that one day everything sad will come untrue. And oh, I love so I love that quote because it's that idea because of that like you said it's freeing. We know that our burdens, the thorns in our side, as Paul said, those things will no longer be true. Um, And it just, you know, Tolkien says that. And then the other one is, there's a great quote by Lewis in his book, Miracles. And it says, death and resurrection are what the story is about. And had we but eyes to see it, this has been hinted on every page, met us in some disguise at every turn, And even been muttered in conversations between such minor characters, if they are the minor characters, as the vegetables. (laughs) And well, what that's hinting at is actually, and these are the quotes we had kind of as I did our research. It's Martin Luther's as well. Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. And we're in spring now. And I don't know about you. I'm a gardener. This is a hobby of mine. Going out and seeing my garlic coming up that I planted in the winter as a dead bulb, watching my trees blooming that have looked like very dead sticks, watching my blackberries that completely go, no leaves, look like old canes, and they come back and give me new berries. The grass is becoming green. Jay Kessler always talked about that. If you know Jay Kessler is the speaker, Youth for Christ, he was the president at Taylor University for a while, he's even my pastor for a while. He always talked about, as a gardener, that spring was God's way of reminding us of the resurrection. Because in winter, everything goes to sleep and dies. You know, not literally, but goes to sleep and looks like it's dead. But in the spring, it's reborn in beauty and flowers and color and vegetables and fruit. And that's what Lewis and Luther are talking about, that springtime reminds us about the resurrection yes yes
0: especially when you're uh when you're just got you you're just so right you see the the colors that come out in spring it's a it's a wonderful reminder and uh, so the concept of being freed from the fear of death is is also tied very closely to the idea that death is a penalty right true that at the very beginning when when we when we experienced the fall that death is the penalty for for sin when uh, when I, we were we we're talking again about the uh, the passages we wanted to go through uh, one that came to mind was the um, John 11 which is uh, when we when we go into the scene of the death of Lazarus and Jesus raising him it, it it gives rise to the, the the verse, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Leading up to it, uh, when you start at John eleven, you start at verses twenty five and twenty six. Um, this is the moment when Jesus is on his way to I believe it's Bethany, when he is he's coming and he's he's wanting to find out where you know what's he he's wanting to go to the po- to the place where G- uh, Lazarus has passed away, and uh, Martha uh, meets him on the road. And basically says, you know, you know, Lord Jesus, if only you'd been here, you know, then uh, I'm sure, surely He wouldn't have died. You would have been able to heal him before he passed away. And we hear Jesus say to her, or Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?" And the the passage goes on to. You know where where Martha responds in the affirmative, but at the same time, Jesus hears this, he takes it in, but then he weeps, he cries, and we talked about a couple of the reasons behind it the you know, the sadness that he'd lost a good friend, right that he had to go through death, he had to make that payment, the sadness that uh, that Martha and the rest of the family felt at losing someone, but also now you made this point is that they don't quite get it right they don't quite get it there's been and we've we talked about you know avengers before and how there's spoilers everywhere they the spoilers have been there throughout the old testament the the uh, the prophecies of of messiah and of jesus's jesus's coming and you know not that he would be a conquering king but that he would be a conquering servant that he would come to serve but that he would also be there to remove death's sting the idea that it was sad for him that there was still that pain. That there was, yes, she, she exclaimed that she got it, that she understood that, you know, he was the resurrection and the life, but there was still that part of her, that human part of her that was still aching and he ached for that. It's something that we, you know, I think you and I both, TR, this last year, we've dealt with, with death in our families. Yep. We've, we've dealt with the, the pain that's involved there. But by the same token, there is the, you know, when we, we talk about funerals, we talk about the celebration of life. You know, when, we, when we're when we involved with believers who have passed on, we, we know that that next stage in their existence is to be with the Father.
1: It's stated so well in Romans. I love Romans mm-hmm. 6, 5 to 7, where it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self has been crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. I love that verse. And it's like you were saying earlier, you know, the wages of sin is death. And this death is not the end, it's the freedom. And that's, so when we talk about, you know, the passing, like my grandparents passed away this year. And going through that, It was yes, we're saddened that they're no longer with us, but we were celebrating an amazing life as a pastor and a pastor's wife, and knowing that my grandpa was playing basketball with Jesus, and (laughs) because that's he loved (laughs) basketball and bowling and all that stuff, and you know my grandma was singing hymns with the choir and playing piano, and just you knew now that their pains were gone, that. The struggles in life, the thorns in their side, and now they were free from sin, and they're with Jesus in His resurrection. And that's I always find so much comfort from that um, verse.
0: And it 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 turns it all the things that we've been talking about this this for this the primary of this topic is the the concept of death. It turns that concept on its head. Yep. It it turns death into a door. You know that we we pass through Jesus, and we we pass through with faith in Him and we come out on the other side in a new existence a new body a, a new immortality and it now becomes a new and different type of hope we we turn we've it, jesus has turned death into hope that um, that there is a hope beyond the struggles of this world and and that gives us fuel and strength to live now And uh, and and this is this this entire week is the is the cornerstone of that faith. And it is the cornerstone of why we I I really like how how uh, how Grant and the STG, the Saving the Game crew put it, how we as a ministry, we we hug our way through things. We hug our way through interactions. And this week is is the very foundation and cornerstone of what gives us that strength to do that. What gives us that faith to do that and that ability to do that, to say that, you know what, I know you're going through pain. I know you're going through struggles. We can get through it together. We we have this power of Christ to, to get through that together. That this isn't the worst that 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 could be. There's there's so much better and there's so much more that's beyond that we can have right now. We don't have to wait for death. We don't have to wait for any of that. We don't have to fear it. We can have it right now. We can have that faith and that comfort and that peace right now.
1: Well, and I look at it too, kind of flipping back to our other conversation. There's no quarter that I have to stick in. Yes. This is grace. This is given to us if we accept it. I don't have to pay because Jesus paid. You know, his payment on the cross put all the quarters in that i need. <laughs> that's right. You know, he got the he pulled out the whole coin mechanism out of the the arcade machine and and i just that's a it's a it's kind of a corny analogy but it's that idea. He paid the price. He's the he's the ultimate save game. He's the ultimate quarter. He's the ultimate version that you look at in any game you play and book you read. He's more than Gandalf who is, you know, you know, more than just human. He's more than Aslan. Aslan is an image of him, a reflection of him. And I think you know we look at that and we can so easily, we can sometimes make his death on the cross seem less impactful than it is. This week is a such an impactful week in our faith. And it's sometimes we forget and we think of Easter bunnies. We forget and we just think of a crucifix. We forget and we just sing songs. And we look at our games and we think, we play our games and we take so serious our life in these games, especially those role players. We get attached to our characters. Yes. Yes. But do we get as attached to our lives? You know, are we as attached to our life and our faith as we are to our characters? And if we can, then we realize, yeah, our character may die and can be resurrected, but our whole life can be resurrected. That's an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And it, uh, it changes you. Boy, oh boy, it changes you. That's for sure. That's not to say that you don't, uh, you know, I, I've talked about it before. That's not to say that you don't have anxieties, you don't have fears, but you have, you have alternate means of dealing with those things.
1: Yeah, going into Easter is always a mixed emotion as a Christian, you just, you get into the whole Palm Sunday and then Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. And you're just, it. it's dark, you know, when you think of what's mm-hmm. happening here and we, for those of you, you know, read about the passion, the Holy week, you know, there's some decent movies out there that talk about it. If you're not the type to read it, just it's, it's a dark time, but there's so much light on the other side of it. Um, And it's just, it's a fascinating concept. And it's just interesting to talk about that during this time. Because our podcast just happened to land at this time, that we can reflect our faith and our hobby. Uh, Derek White spoke to my class this past week and talked about how we can't separate who we are, the whole idea of dualism. You know, we really do have to stay focused on our faith has to be in everything. And so we kind of talked about the game side just with a little bit of a lightheartedness, but we have to keep our faith in our game and our faith in our life and our faith in our work and our faith in our families. And it does make Easter this really unique period to reflect on everything about ourselves in relation to the resurrection.
0: To walk through that and say, what part of the story would I fit into during this time? You know, am I one of the ones that's throwing down palm branches in front of Jesus or laying down my cloak? Or, you know, am I the, the farmer that willingly gave up a donkey to allow the Son of God to, you know, ride into Je- uh, Jerusalem? You know, am I one of the folks that's got it wrong? You know, did, did I, am I interpreting him as a conquering king, or am I interpreting him as a, a as a conquering servant? You know, it, it it's, it's those times of reflection. That's that's exactly right. It's very, very, very true. And it, it, it makes you think that's, that this is a very important thing. I think we've talked about this before, about the, the resurrection doesn't change you between the hours of 3 and 4 or between the hours of 9 to 5 or right before you go to bed and you, you, know, you kiss your significant other or your kids or your family goodnight. It, it is a changed life through and through and that is that is important it's something that we we should it should be a part of us and carried with us every single second every single second
1: yep so i challenge people out there just think about it reflect this week and remember god is the game master and no matter how the dice fall the game plays on